0: This morning we are continuing on with our look at prayer. And what I'd like to do this morning is I'd like to just review uh, where we have come. And then we're going to jump into uh, something a little bit different this morning. We've been been talking about the purposes of prayer. And uh, I'm just going to review these. And I would encourage you to write these down somewhere and maybe even put them in your Bible. And as you are uh, praying, or maybe you wanna just take some time to focus on these, there's, you know, there's a lot of different ways in which we can pray and a lot of different purposes for prayer. And one of my goals here is to give us an expanded view of prayer because sometimes you know, I think the core basic reason why we pray is we're in trouble or we we need something. So as, as someone has said, our prayers are usually either uh, <clears throat> thank you, thank you, thank you, or gimme, give gimme, give gimme, give or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> but prayer is broader than that. And so <clears throat> just bear with me. We're just going just gonna to walk through where we've come over the last several months. We're going to look at six purposes here. And then this morning, we're going to talk about a seventh purpose of prayer, but this is going to be different. <clears throat> and it's going to take about three messages to unpack this seventh one. So, let's just start beginning again. One of the primary purposes of prayer is to enter into and experience the presence of God. His love, who He is, it's just to know God better and, and to be with Him. That's why we pray. It's like going on vacation. I'll just use this analogy. It's like going on vacation with your spouse. You just want to get away and spend that time and connect. So putting aside what you want, what you need, what you want to see happen, if we can see prayer, one of the primary purposes is just being together with God and to believe that there's something powerfully transforming about that. That's the first purpose of prayer. Secondly, as you see God, You see what he's done for you. You see what he's done around in in the world around you and who he is. There is going to be a natural response of just awe and, and adoration and wonder and mystery and praise and thanksgiving as you realize all the things that God has done. And so a second purpose of prayer is just responding to God in praise, adoration, thanksgiving, all of that. Thirdly, one of the most significant things that we all need to happen in our lives is the surrendering of our agenda. I'm going to say there's not a soul in this room. If I said, you know, you kind of had this plan for your life, if I were to ask you how many of you have had your plan perfectly fulfilled, nobody in this room is going to raise their hand. And so one of the purposes of prayer, if you're not going to be fighting internally your whole life, one of the purposes of prayer is to come to God and to accept what God has allowed into your life. It's a kind of a yielding of, of your agenda to God's agenda. So maybe you're having to live with something in your life that was not a part of your plan. One of the purposes of prayer is for that to be Okay you can live out your life with whatever it is that god allows and and not be anxious all the time not be disturbed all the time so it's a surrendering of your will to god's will and kind of coupled with that you know thy will be done in my life and also in in this world around me so a second part of that is god how can i participate in what you're doing here in building and bringing it on earth as it is in heaven The fourth one is probably the most obvious. Ask God for what you need. And ask God for what you would like for others. You come, you pray for your needs. You're a parent, you pray for patience. You pray for your kids, that they make wise decisions, that their, their heart would be after God. And so it's that place of petition for yourself and for other people. Important part, very important part of prayer, but it's, Remember, it's one of a number of different purposes. The fourth one is to quiet yourself before God and begin to become aware of things you are doing or things that you're thinking that are, are outside of what God has planned for you. And ask God to forgive you and to change that's what repentance is. It means realizing you're thinking something or doing something that's contrary to God's <coughs> design and plan and, you know, it, it's about realigning. It's about confessing that. And so, very important in the time of prayer to just understand and get your thoughts. By the way, often, <coughs> things that are we're doing in our lives, it doesn't start with the deed. It starts with what we're thinking. Thinking... God, about ourselves, we see then the, <coughs> the uh, experience of forgiveness, not only in your life, but also extending it to someone else. Someone has once said, the first thing when you petition, the first thing you should pray for is your enemies. Think of the person you have the hardest time with, and you should probably start with that person. Lastly, <coughs> The sixth purpose of prayer is to pray for strength and protection, to stand in the face of temptation and evil. It is relentless. We live in, the Bible says that the earth is is greatly influenced by the God of this age, that our culture in many ways is is pressuring us in ways contrary to God. Uh, We have an enemy out there. We have a, a nature that is not necessarily desiring to go after God. And so all these things, we, we need protection from God to stand against all of that. Six purposes of prayer. And here's a word I, I want to encourage you. Practice. You know, how do you learn to do something? Anything. Soccer, riding a bike, uh, you know, I don't care what it is. If you're going to learn something, you practice it. It means you may be not very good when you start off but as you practice it and so prayer is something you practice it's something you learn it's a, a discipline in your life that's why in hebrew culture they had prayer at the ninth hour and the twelfth hour and the third hour every day three times a day it was a discipline so that people would learn to quiet themselves and, and learn to pray so this morning Uh, By the way, I I would encourage you to to write those down, and something you might want to do sometime is you might want to take a week, and on Monday, just focus on experiencing your Heavenly Father, what it means to come into His presence, who you are in relationship with Him. Maybe the second day, is just responding to God in praise and thanksgiving, and just walk through each of these six purposes of prayer. So here's what we're going to turn to this morning. We've been talking about us talking to God. So what I'd like to think about is another purpose of prayer is that God is speaking to us. That God is speaking to us. There's no question that we can talk to God, but does God talk to you? And how does he talk to you? Here's a little video clip of a a young man sharing that experience in his own life.
1: Away from home. Long story short, I ended up joining a fraternity house, and um, it was a lot of fun. (laughs) I'm But, um, on the last night uh, when we were the whole group was going at a time of prayer and the pastor was going around praying for each person and um, I was doing my best to avoid him so he would come to one corner and I'd slip away to another corner and he would come to that corner I would slip away to another I was doing my best to avoid any kind of prayer um, so I ended up in the middle of a room and for some reason the pastor left me alone and I was in that room that I swear I heard something like a voice, and it wasn't audible. It wasn't something like I can that everyone else might be able to hear. It. But it definitely was something internal, and it was definitely it felt like it was something that wasn't for me. And I heard the words, "You have been far from me," and I can't explain it. It Just had a way of cutting right to the heart a way of waking me up to a reality that I wasn't seeing every single day. And uh, that was the beginning of okay, well, you've got my attention now. Where do we go from here? And I, and I, you know, I can't say that my life was perfect experience that helps us He just tends to speak more in whispers and mysteries. It doesn't overwhelm us. So that we can find them and possibly follow them.
0: Okay, there's lots of uh <clears throat> there's lots of testimonials of of God speaking to people. You know, I chose that one because I think a lot of us here in this room though, we might say, you know, God does in any, I don't feel like God regularly is talking to me, but you know there was a time, there was a place where I I sensed something kind of supernatural outside of myself, where God really spoke to me. It's easy to hear stories of God speaking to people and and begin to compare yourself and and actually get discouraged and to begin to say, well, why doesn't God? You know, why doesn't God speak to me like that person up there? You you hear a, a story and and you go, Wow, I've I've never had an experience like that. And it can be discouraging. You can feel like kind of like God's leaving you on the, the outside. Dallas Willard, who wrote uh, hearing hearing God's voice, tells of a, a story of his, his grandmother who everybody just admired as this godly woman. <clears throat> She'd been so faithful to God and a prayer person all of her life. And at church, the pastor was praying about the new building project and how God had given him a vision and, and how everything was going in, in line with how God had been speaking to him. And at the dinner table uh, that Sunday, they were talking and, and his elderly grandmother spoke up and said, I wonder why God never speaks to me like that, and it was just Dallas Willard said it just hit him like, you got to be kidding me like <clears throat> you know he he knew that his his grandmother uh had heard from god had had lived her life, but but you know the the language was disconnecting, and there there wasn't an understanding uh of how God actually does speak to us. And so one of my goals as we go through this is to truly begin to understand that perhaps God is speaking to us a lot more than we realize. And, and what all of that looks like. It's gonna take three messages to cover this. And <clears throat> you know if God does speak to us, we're gonna talk about that this morning. Does God speak to us? And then if he does, we're going to talk about how God speaks to us in the coming messages. You may not agree with everything that I say, and that's fine. Uh, I don't pretend to have the final word on this, but I, just, I, I would ask that you just have an open heart to what and how God might be wanting to speak to you. You know, I think we, I think we all have probably experienced what we would call the presence of God, The presence of God, those times when you just kind of sense God's presence in a powerful way. Uh, A couple verses, one in Acts. And do we see here? He says, Repent then and turn to God so your sins may be wiped out, that time of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. So here we see this, that Jesus is being sent to us. In Revelation 21, we see God's ultimate goal. Now I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. We know that God has sent us the Holy Spirit, to live with us, to dwell in us when we place our faith in Christ. When we ask the Lord to come into our life, what comes into our life is the Holy Spirit. But on this day, it's not going to be just the Holy Spirit. We are going to experience fully the presence of our Father. We are going to see face-to-face the person of Jesus Christ. And we see here that God's ultimate goal is to be with us. And so as you live out your life, God is pursuing a relationship with you. He wants to be with you. He wants to have a a daily walk in relationship with all of those that he has created and with his people. You know, we experience God's presence when we pray, often in, in worship, we might, you know, we might experience that. And, and it's very powerful. You know, D.L. Moody was a, a guy that God greatly used. And I mentioned last week that over a million people, they say, came to Christ through Moody's ministry. And, and that was, you know, he didn't go on YouTube and, and listen to Moody's sermons. That was all face-to-face hearing from him. And, and Moody writes this. He says, I cannot describe it, and I seldom refer to it. it, is almost too sacred of an experience to name. I can only say that God revealed himself to me, and I had such an experience of his love that I had to ask him to hold back his hand. I went to preaching again after that. The sermons were not different. I did not present any new truths, and yet hundreds were converted. I would not now be placed back where I was before that blessed experience if you should give me all the world. It would be as small as dust in the balance. So here is an encounter that Moody had and he he didn't even hear the voice of God. He just experienced the presence of God and the love of God in such a profound way. And he writes, it transformed his ministry. It was interesting, a a gentleman by... uh, gentleman by the name of Dr. R.W. Dale. I was reading this this week. He spent several days with with Moody just to consider why Moody was so effective. And, you know, it's interesting when when he got done, this was his assessment. Um, He said he was a man of very ordinary appearance, unordained by any ecclesiastical group, quite uncultured and uneducated, even uncouth and crude to many. There was nothing in who he was as a person that could explain what was happening through his ministry. That was his conclusion in observing Moody's life. Experience of, of God is a profound thing. There's also God acting circumstantially in our lives. And uh, <clears throat> Isaiah 64.4 it says, since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who does what? Who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. So something happens <coughs> when we see God acting and we've been praying and, and we see God acting. There's, there's something we begin to believe about God. And, and also conversely, when we're praying to God and he's not acting, we can also take that as something that is being communicated from God. But beyond God's presence and beyond God acting circumstantially this this morning, I want us to think, does God speak to us? Beyond just sensing his presence or circumstantially, does, does God really speak to us? Now there's kind of two views on this. We could go way over here and and we have a group called the cessationists that believe, you know, all the miraculous stuff, the prophetic words, the revelation, the signs and wonders and all this happened with the apostles. You know, you can read about it in the book of Acts, but when the apostles were done, that was done. It's not something that we should expect today. That's not something we should look for today. You know what God has given us? He's given us his Word. And we don't need any, if, if you need to know, if you need to hear from God, go read it here in the Word, okay? That would be this point of view way way over on this side. And, the, and then on the other side, we have, for lack of a better word, kind of the continual, you know, those who... Believe in, in a, a continued manifestation of all the ways that God, you know, dreams and visions and signs and wonders and tongues and prophetic words and words of knowledge, and that God is still speaking today uh, to His people in in ways beyond just what we might read in the Scripture. And so you have you have this side over here. Yeah, you know, I'm guessing in this room that everybody is going to fall somewhere, you know, on this continuum in between one of those two extremes. So, this morning, uh, we're going to talk about how God, you know, does God speak, and, and in these coming days, we're going to talk about how he might do that. You may say, well, this sounds like maybe a controversial subject. <clears throat> well, maybe it is, but I think it's pretty important. And we may not actually even all agree. And I, I'm one that believes that, <clears throat> you know, there, there are some things that you, you have to, you have to be open to considering uh, what God by His Spirit is choosing to do. It's, it can be a very dangerous thing to compare yourself to someone else. So if I've had an experience with God, God has spoken to me, that doesn't mean that you're going to have that experience. And if, if you've had an experience, that doesn't mean that I'm going to have the, that experience. Now, I've been up in the mountains before, but I've never had a cloud come down and the voice of God and, and walk down with ten commandments written by the finger of God. Have you? No. So you can look through the, uh, you know, you can look through the, uh, you know, the, the Old Testament. I've, I've had some, I've done some building projects, but I never had one where God woke me up and said, you know, build a 400-foot boat out of gopher wood. That's never happened to me. It's probably never happened to you. But you know what? In this room, there's been some, some probably s- some remarkable experiences that that people have had. I have been a pastor for 40 years. I have been in certain situations, uh, very difficult ministry situations, where God has chosen to reveal something to me, something I I couldn't read in here, something I needed to know for that situation. Well, God may do that, but God doesn't do table tricks. He doesn't just do things to impress us or other people. He chooses to do things in his way and in his time and for his purposes. And God may choose to do something once in your life, and he may never do that again. As much as you may try and duplicate it, the spirit of God blows where it wills. He works as he wills. He uh, he does what he wills. And so, those are some things that we are going to talk about. I would encourage uh, us to come with with an open mind and to to come to the Word of God with not necessarily with our viewpoint. It can always taint our our viewpoint. You know, I'll just give you one example. And I could could give an example from from either side of the fence. Uh, I've heard quoted, for example, from those who believe that all the gifts have ceased, and and they have quoted uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it will pass away. They said that passed away with the death of the apostles in the first century church. I mean, that is not what that passage is saying. And so we come with our preconceived ideas. You know, the text says that for now we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, then the imperfect disappears. So what is perfection? Is perfection when all the apostles died? Absolutely not. The text says, now we see through a mirror, but then we shall see face to face. What's he talking about? He's saying, until we meet Jesus face to face, these are things that God has used to speak to his people. Prophetic words and and, and knowledge and these kinds of things. But one day those things will cease because we don't need prophetic words when we're standing face to face with Jesus. So we need to be true to the text. We need to come to the Bible and 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 see what God is doing and observe how God is speaking and how He speaks to His people. This morning, as we, uh, I, I want to say this very clearly. And uh, God speaks to His people. God speaks to his people. John 14, 22, it says, Then Judas, Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. So God is coming to make his home in you. Okay? God is coming to make his home in you. What if someone walked into your house and never spoke to you? Wouldn't that seem a little weird? So I'm going to invite Christ into my life, but he's not going to speak to me. Now, you can say, well, he has. He's, he's wrote, it, he wrote it down here. So I, I got married 40 years ago. What would happen if the day we got married, I wrote down to my wife? Everything, what I thought about her, what I cared about her, and for the next 39 and a half years, I hadn't said a word. And where she spoke to me, I just pointed to the the book over there. Can you imagine how that would go? Yeah. Yeah. So it would be a long ride back from Minneapolis if I rode the trip and didn't speak to my wife. Um, This this is a quote that I I just really resonate with. It is simply beyond belief that two persons so intimately related as indicated in Jesus' uh, words to his disciples that they would not speak explicitly to one another. The Spirit who inhabits us is not mute, not restricting himself to an occasional nudge, a hot flash, or a brilliant image, or a good case of the goosebumps. We have a God who wants to speak to us. We have a God who will speak to us day to day, who walks with us and talks with us, and he tells me, I am his own. Remember that song? He walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. And if, if you're not experiencing that, you're missing what God has for you. Now, now, how does God do that? How does God speak to us? How is he wanting to speak to us? That's, is, that is what we will examine in, in the days ahead. Let me just conclude here with, with three ways that I think are not healthy ways to envision how God speaks. The first one is what I would call minute to minute. I have known someone who, uh, I got to know someone who lived this way. And this person was sharing me, they said, you know what? In, in the last year, I haven't, I haven't had a personal thought of my own. Every thought coming into my brain is from God. I get up in the morning. God tells me what color socks to put on. He tells me what to wear. I get out. He tells me where to go, what to say, what to do. God directs every moment of every day in my life. Not, not a healthy, I, don't, I do not believe, not a healthy at all way to view how, how God works. Because in that case, you're assuming that everything comes into your mind is from God. I think that's kind of a dangerous thought. Everything that comes into my mind isn't necessarily from God. It, it puts a person in this sense of spirituality that God is directing every moment of every day and, and basically taking over their life. So that's like me following my children around as they get older and just moment by moment saying, okay, now do this, now do this, okay, now go do this. Now, that's not what we do with our children. And so God is wanting us to mature in him and I believe that he is wanting us to learn to to think and to act and to make decisions. And so we we see here that God is wanting us to develop and learn to make wise choices. And so we may You know there are things that we may be praying about like okay god i'm supposed to buy a car i could buy there's this chevy and there's this ford so tell me which one should i buy yeah (laughs) and you might be a little biased right might just come into the picture and so you know it's like which one well maybe it's like when you take your kids in and they're going should I have chocolate ice cream or vanilla? And what do you say? Why don't you buy the one you like? Maybe God's just saying, why don't you get the one, if, you, if you'd like a Ford, why don't you buy the Ford? If you'd like a Chevy, why don't you buy the Chevy? Maybe there are things that God allows us to choose. I was watching my grandson, uh, we were up on Rib Mountain this last winter, and they were building a snow fort, and Ben was about five, was up there, and snow was deep, and, and I was standing up above, and he was making his way around the edge, and I realized he wasn't, we had made a path, but he was off the path. The snow was deep, and he was trying to get through, and my first inclination was to yell down at him and say, Benji, you need to, you need to go down below. It's a lot easier. But I just felt like, no. He needs to learn. He needs to have that Feeling of, of making his way there and of, of, of making his way. And even if it's harder, you know what? He's, he's growing, he's learning, he's he's developing. I'm not going to interfere and control him. I'm not going to control his every move here. And it just struck me that I, I'm sure God looks down at us and he sees us sometimes struggling or going up a path and and he allows us to make those decisions and choices and he allows us to grow and learn from them, even from our mistakes. This minute-to-minute, not a healthy way. Another one is that it's all in the Bible. It's all in the Bible. <clears throat> if you want to know, it's, it's here. Just go, go read it. God does not... God does not speak beyond what he's already wrote, written. So if you want to hear what God has thought, just go to the Bible and read it. First of all, there are things that come up in our lives that aren't specifically indicated in the Scripture. You know, if, you're, if you're trying to choose, you know where to go to college, you, you can't go to Galatians 5.2 and find out God's answer for you. And so we need God's direction in our lives. We read through the life of Paul and Timothy and Peter and there were situations where they, you know, they needed guidance from God through his spirit and they didn't know necessarily what direction to go. And so to simply say all we need is what's written on the words of the Bible I think dramatically limits although I will say this it is amazing how much the scripture speaks to just about any situation in life that you might be in, and how God uh, can use his will in, in remarkable ways. So, well, we'll talk about that in, in the days ahead. And the third one is that basically whatever happens is, is God's will. Everything that happens is, is God's design for my life. Now, you can make the argument that everything that God allows is His will. But I think if you're going to talk about the will of God, you you have to distinguish between God's allowable will and and God's perfect will. And so, God's will is that we as people live in a world where we can make decisions and make choices. It is God's will. And so I can choose to, to reach down for a, uh, a cup of coffee in, in my car and in so doing, you know, accidentally swerve over and snuff out the life of an 18-year-old graduate. That was my last experience before I came here. Those things happen all the time. You can read in the persecuted church. You can read of a, uh, you can read of a, a pastor who stands and, and watches as his wife and daughters are raped and dismembered in front of him. And you can't tell me <coughs> that that was God's will for that to happen. You can say, well, God allowed it, so... No, that is not God's will. Whatever kind of terminology you want to put on that, God is very angered by sin. We see that repeatedly in the scripture. So if that was God's will, is God angry at himself? No, God is angry at choices of evil which destroy people's lives. And so we see that not every choice we make can be justified to say, well, this this was God's will. It's a very dangerous way of thinking. And so... This morning, I I want to just say, and this is where I'm going to leave it this morning. In fact, I have kind of an assignment for you. I want you to begin to think about the ways that God has spoken to you. Because over the next two messages that I'm going to be sharing, I'm going to be talking about eight different ways that God has spoken to people. And I'm going to talk about eight different ways that God still speaks to people today. I'll just tell you up front that I believe that every way God has spoken to people in the past, He continues to speak to people today. I am not a cessationist. Uh, I will also tell you that God chooses how He will speak to us and when He will speak to us, and it is absolutely impossible to duplicate what God chooses to do. And and God may in a profound way communicate to you at some time in your life and and that may happen one time in your life. God's workings and dealings and communicating with us is not replicable. It cannot be be something that we replicate or that we necessarily even have, uh, you know, can continue on our own. And so, we're going to talk about All the ways that God communicates and I'm going to start with I'm going to start with what seems to be experientially in the lives of people uh, probably the least common and we're going to work our way down to a way in which God speaks to all of us who are his people in fact I think for many of you you're going to discover that that God is speaking to you and, and you don't even realize uh, how he's speaking to you. So I trust that um, God will just use this in, in the coming days. I invite you to, to pray with me. Father, I, uh, I thank you today that you are God who wants to be with us. And you're not mute. And you're not silent. Um, Father, you, you speak to us. And you desire for us to hear your voice. You are the good shepherd. You know your sheep. And your sheep hear your voice. So, Father, teach us how to hear your voice. And, uh, Lord, you have many ways that you can communicate with us. And I pray that you would just uh, open our minds and hearts to how, how you speak to us. And I pray that uh, your spirit would just use these words to uh, draw us more deeply, Father, into uh, just the kind of relationship that you have in store for each one of us. So we just commit this to you. And uh, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.